This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Tech Talk, made possible by TM1. It's Fun Friday. My name is Jeff Sandu, and this is Tech Talk. This week on MSP, we are continuing our Disrupted World series. Last week, we had a look at some of the ways that consumers and the tech companies can work together to change business models and give us more control over the data that we generate. This week, we're staying with us, people, consumers, listeners, whatever you want to call us, to ask what's happened to our humanity. Matt, I assume that this is a response to Coffeegate. Hey, Jeff. Um, isn't it strange how these kind of serendipitous things pop up? You know, we're in the middle of uh, this Disrupted World series. Mm. Uh, I was working on a uh, uh, show on uh, human empathy or the lack of human empathy for today's show. And what suddenly comes up, you know, this barrel roll of haters piling on because a modern day coffee cup was stuck in the background of a single shot in this week's Game of Thrones. Um, you know, for those of you who have better things to do with your day, um, in the post-battle feast in the episode, there was a takeaway coffee cup on a table in front of uh, Daenerys, the Dragon Queen. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of remarkable how far we've come that that statement doesn't sound as ridiculous as it obviously is. And the best thing is you can't even see it anymore because HBO have CGI'd the cup out of the footage following the backlash. I think some people were commenting that last week's episode, uh, the battle was too dark. And this week, suddenly you can see everything and the crew has left the modern cup in shot. So what was hiding in the dark of last week's episode? Well, that's, you know, a fair question to ask. And I imagine that in the future, someone with a Blu-ray player and a lot of time will take a forensic look at every scene of that episode. And hopefully that will be the day that my internet isn't working. Um, look, for the most part, it's really funny. You know, it's always funny when this kind of con continuity error happens and things get left in shot. But did you like the memes, though? Uh, yeah, there are some really good ones. I particularly like one that makes it look as though it was a deliberate act by Danny's rival Sansa <laughs> Stark to sabotage her. I thought that was a nice way of mixing on screen and off screen. But there's also this undercurrent of anger there as well, that somehow the production team was lazy and mm. sloppy. You know, I saw one post on Twitter along the lines of, how dare you charge me so much to watch HBO and allow mistakes like these to occur? People are taking it too seriously. Well, I mean, is there anything that people don't take too seriously on Twitter? You know, uh, people complaining that their right to say hateful things and insult people has been impinged upon. You only have to spend a few seconds on YouTube to find the streams and streams of videos that unearth these kind of bloopers and mistakes in big movies and TV shows. Uh, Gladiators is oh. the classic example, yeah. Yeah, that, that movie is legendary for its continuity errors. Yeah, I mean, uh, Russell Crowe is holding his sword <laughs> in different hands as the camera moves from one part of a scene to the next, and it happens over and over again. Uh, in his death scene, he uh, pancakes back onto bare earth, but is suddenly resting his head on a rock when it gets to the close-up <laughs> shot. But, you know, do those things actually ruin your enjoyment of the film? Uh, there's also a scene where one of the chariots overturns and then you see there's some kind of, like, petrol tank or gas canister underneath it. <laughs> I know, which is really <laughs> funny. This stuff happens. Uh, when you consider that blockbuster movies take a couple of years to make and Game of Thrones is doing multiple episodes at a similar scale, 
it's actually a wonder that we don't have more of these kind of things coming through. But the point is, you know, how can you let something so inconsequential get you so angry? Your faith in the TV show has been rocked by this simple continuity <laughs> error to the point where you have to actually come online and insult the cast and crew. Didn't Jon Snow attack the haters online a few weeks ago? Well, even before the new season began, there was a hardcore of fans complaining that this season would be a letdown. Some of them are on my Facebook page this morning. Um, so Jon Snow, who is also occasionally, though less well known as Kit <laughs> Harrington, came out and lambasted them. Because, you know, if these people are your fans... Come on, really? Exactly. Now, this is the second week in a row you've tried to turn this into a screen review show. Are you trying one of those pivots you claim to hate? Well, you know, these days you've got to keep yourself fresh. You've got to reinvent yourself now and again. And that's why we're rebranding MSP as the movie show podcast. Same initials, different show. People should not be afraid of cookie. Cookie should be afraid of people. You must tell us the whereabouts of Codename C. You have one last chance. Do you understand? Yes. Are you ready to cooperate? Elmo says no. Two, two last chance. Ah, 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 ah. You know, there are so many movie shows. It's really hard to find a way to stand out. But I think I've found a niche here for fake Sesame Street movie reviews. Mm. By definition, no one's already doing this show because the movies don't exist. It's always some kind of get-rich-quick scam with you, isn't it? And yet, I don't seem to have that many online haters. Well, that may be about to change. Uh, I think it probably will one day. I think I've been flying uh, too close to the sun recently, for sure. <laughs> but let's bring it back to uh, people with real hate on their minds. You know, there have been too many of these kind of incidents of late. Uh, do you remember a case that resurfaced earlier this year? The woman who sued her nephew oh, for yeah. running up to, for a hug and managed to break her wrist. Vaguely, I remember that she was branded as the Antichrist and she also received death threats. Yeah, because we're so quick to rush to condemn mm. people. Um, you know, I know there have been various studies recently that say that people are angrier than they have been for years. But you wonder what the chicken and egg is because the reality of that story was a much simpler one. Uh, her insurance company and the insurance companies wouldn't cover her medical costs yeah. unless she sued the insurance company of her nephew's family. So she wasn't suing them, but she couldn't sue the insurance company. You have to name a plaintiff. Mm. So it was with the full acknowledgement of her nephew and uh the parents, yeah. it was just a way to get the thousands of dollars she spent getting her wrist set. But, you know, again, you, like I said, you wonder what the chicken and egg here is. Are people <laughs> using social media to vent their anger? Are angry people naturally drawn to social media? Or is there more of a causal effect here? Is it mm. the fact that we're connected but shielded by that layer of distance that the internet gives us. You mean the people who hide behind pseudonyms? Sure, some people hide behind pseudonyms, but that's actually, you know, a, a separate discussion. There are a lot of arguments both for and against championing anonymity on the net, um, and we've covered that plenty of times, I think. But a lot of people are quite prepared to say horrific things using their actual given name. You know, we've mentioned the uh, the show before, Comedian Dylan Maron's podcast, Conversations with People Who Hate Me, 
is an illuminating delve into this phenomenon because it actually shows or allows people rather to talk to their haters and find out directly what their motivation is. And almost invariably, even if they never reconcile their views, they actually have a civil conversation after mm. throwing insults at each other online. And if things do get heated, they have Marin, who's a figure that attracts more, who attracts more than his fair share of uh, online vitriol. He kind of acts as the peacemaker. So anonymity isn't really the barrier then? No, the barrier seems to be the uh, the medium itself. It's like we can suddenly indulge that inner monologue, the one that we would never use if the person was sitting in front of us. And online, these shame fests turn into these immense pylons with the haters egging each other on. Uh, I think there was that case of the uh, food fad Insta influencer who it turned out wasn't vegan after all. That was a story that came out a few weeks ago. The clean eating star whose diet made her ill. Yeah, because the eating <laughs> thing was her brand. And she did follow some fairly silly ideas, you know, 18-month air juice cleanses or whatever nonsense happened to be in vogue that week. Like a lot of people whose diets are extreme rather than balanced, she suffered as a result. And she started to supplement her diet with fish because she needed the extra nutrients. Mm. But she was effectively trapped inside her own brand because being a clean eating influencer was the way she made a living. So when she actually came clean and admitted that she was eating fish, you'd think she'd offer to let North Korea conduct nuclear tests in her basement for all the noise that was suddenly coming out of the world. Maybe people are really invested in these things, whether it's influencers or TV shows. And they genuinely feel those emotions. But do you come out and tell me every time I irritate you? No. You know, uh, we don't have to say every single thing that pops into our mm. minds. If I, I mean, if I did that, this would be a really different show. And it would contain a lot more graphic descriptions of mutilation. In fact, I'd probably shock the scriptwriters of the Saw franchise. <laughs> but my filters are at least partly operational. Mm -hmm. At most, I share the worst parts of myself with King Jafar. And that's only because he thinks I'm vanilla. He dismembers <laughs> stuff for the sheer fun of it. After all this, I have absolutely no idea what is today's show all about. It's about empathy, and I've just spent the last 10 minutes setting you up to empathize with the listeners and ask, what are we all doing here? Oh gosh, well, we're going to take a break, and while I wipe the smirk off Mr. Clever's face, when we come back, we'll see how much empathy Matt has left. BFM 89.9. You're listening to Tech Talk, made possible by TM1. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You're listening to Tech Talk, made possible by TM1. Welcome back, it's Matt's Plane, and if the hint of irritation in my voice is hiding, well, you may not guess that today's show is about empathy and some of the ways that technology seems to be disrupting it. So Matt, how much empathy are you feeling right now? Tons. I'm even feeling positive about the slugs and the cockroaches right now. Um, it'll take a lot more than that to break me. If listeners want to find out what happened to Matt during the break, they'll have to wait for the R-rated version of this show to come out. Yeah, and listeners can use the hashtag SaveMatt oh, to pledge gosh. their support or <laughs> Boo Jeff if they want to pile on with some hate. 
that's the thing about empathy. You know, we'll get to it in a bit, but mm. it's supposed to be universal. But now empathy seems to have become as selective and tribal as our online behavior. We feel empathy for us and never for them, which I'm not sure is empathy at all. Uh, but before we get there, I want to talk a bit about Silicon Valley. Oh, that's a novel idea. You see, Jeff is demonstrating all the things that modern <laughs> empathy isn't. Uh, not just Silicon Valley, but the bits of real estate around it. Now, we know on the one hand that the colossal expansion of the tech industry in California, especially along that uh, San Francisco corridor, mm. has had a great revitalizing effect on communities in those areas. An influx of money and people and customers for local businesses, uh, buyers for houses, you know, a lot of infrastructure. True, but the gentrification comes down with its own costs. Completely. And, you know, we see rents increasing in those areas, which pushes people with lower income levels out of neighborhoods that they've lived in all their lives. Mm. Uh, rising commercial rents can displace established local businesses. So you see bodegas replaced with the ever maligned avocado toast emporia. <laughs> And you can also sometimes see a rise in social problems, especially homelessness. You know, we've seen the rise of the contract worker in Silicon Valley, the people who work on those sleek campuses, manning its canteens, mopping its floors. But most of those people are not employees. They don't enjoy any of the perks that staff receive. And we've heard these harrowing tales of those same workers living in garages or even in their cars and vans because they are the working homeless. They have full-time jobs at some of the world's richest companies, but they're unable to afford even the basic right of a decent place to live. Surely those people deserve more than our empathy. Of course they do, but that's not so much the point. You know, what I want to bring up is the response of people like the uh, tech bro entrepreneur Justin Keller, who wrote an open letter to San Francisco's mayor and police chief about the homeless back in 2016. Mm. Now, I think some of you might remember this story, uh, and I think he probably received plenty of uh, unwarranted abuse and threats on social media that certainly weren't justified. Uh, but incredibly, he actually wrote without any sense of irony that wealthy working people like him didn't want to see the pain, struggle and despair of homeless people. But he didn't seem to see himself either as part of the problem or as a part of the solution. And you see that as an example of the empathy gap. Yeah, because there's a recognition that homeless people struggle and suffer, but rather than looking for solutions, it's better to just remove them from sight. So perhaps I'm misquoting Keller's intent. If I am, I apologize. I can empathize with him if he was wrongly accused. But Really, it's that viewpoint I want to highlight rather than him specifically. So do you think Justin Keller may have invented a bus? He seems tone deaf enough, <laughs> although one of his uh, man of the people responses was that he rides a bus to work. Um, it's an old story, and the main reason I'm bringing it up is not to shame Keller, but because it connects to more recent events. This year, another wealthy group of San Francisco residents has spent more than $100,000 on legal fees to object to a homeless shelter being built in their neighborhood. Thankfully, they haven't succeeded mm. so far. But there's a certain immorality in those actions as well as a lack of empathy. In a town that's now so expensive that people with full-time jobs can't afford a place to live, its richest inhabitants are spending their own wealth preventing those homeless workers from gaining even the most basic shelter. And your point is what? 
to remember that fundamental irony, you know, they're working in one of the most fragile and uncertain industries in the world. Uh, most of them are destined to repeatedly work for companies that fail. They cram themselves into dorm rooms and boarding houses. They work for relatively low wages and hope that one day their stock options are going to make them rich. Most of those workers are just one more failed startup away from homelessness themselves. Mm. They're probably destined to be the contract support workers that they currently look down on. And maybe that's why they look at people without feeling this sense of empathy, because they have that gnawing sense of fear that those people are actually their future. As usual, fun stuff on the Friday here on MSP. Which brings me back to another podcast I heard recently, an episode of the uh, Invisibilia podcast mm. called actually The End of Empathy. What was interesting was that it took a couple of different generational takes on the same story. Uh, for those of you that don't know the show, uh, it uses stories about people, um, their own personal stories, to illuminate the kind of hidden forces that shape our actions and our beliefs. Mm. And I don't mean in a mystical <laughs> sense. It's a, it's a show that's firmly rooted in science. One of the things it does is look at how emotions can shape our outlook, our personality, and our experience. And this was the show about empathy. Well, it ended up being quite meta, and I do hate using that word, but it ended up with the show and the people who make the show being the focus rather than the story that they were attempting to illuminate. So it became about how two different producers, both female and with different approaches to empathy, produced the same story in very different ways. Mm. In that way, it became more of a commentary on empathy in the digital age, asking who is deserving of our concern. In one version of the story, uh, a lovelorn teen flies across the country to convince his love to give him one more chance. In another version, that teen is a potential predator with a lousy attitude towards women who turns up unannounced and unwanted on the college doorstep of the woman he had been dating. Both versions are factually the same, but coloured by a different sense of empathy, the two stories end up being almost polar opposites. How does it relate to our digital world, though, man? Because that once teen, a guy called Jack, is a former incel. Now, that's the movement of guys who consider themselves to be involuntary celibate and basically hate all women. And that's why I wonder if this is partly generational. Mm. Um, Hannah Rosen, one of Invisibilia's anchor presenters, tries to find common ground with Jack to forge a bridge and to look for those shared human values. But the second producer, commissioned to produce her take on the story as a kind of extended job application, took a much more polarised position. For her, there seemed to be a battle line between herself and Jack. She was on one side of the incel debate, he was on the other. And it was the women he degraded and potentially victimised who were the recipients of her empathy, mm. not Jack. And now you're deciding on who's right and who's wrong. No, certainly not. I'm not getting into the middle of that one. Um, no, go listen to the show and make your own mind up. Uh, I'll put the links in the show notes on the Culture Pop website and on the Matt's Plain Facebook page. What was interesting was that it prompted Hannah Rosen to go back and reevaluate the story again, wondering if there was something she had missed. And she had. As she admits in the show, in her rush to look for those commonalities, she missed the fact that Jack had been quite calculating, telling her what she wanted to hear, uh, and acting in his own pragmatic rather than empathetic interests. He turned away from the incel movement, 
not so much because he had a moment of clarity and changed his views towards women, but because he realized that being a spokesperson for those forums and spending his time on them would lead to his life remaining the same rather than improving. So the only person with empathy in the story is Invisibilia's Hannah Rosen. Well, that's why it's interesting. The second producer and Jack are not devoid of empathy. It's just that they only have it for their own side. Uh, They feel bad for their own people, but at risk of overplaying the Game of Thrones references in this show, you know, they'd be the people after the big battle. They'd be out tending to their own injured and putting wounded opponents to the sword. But why is this a digital story? Because I say so. Um, No, because we're living in this crazy, hyper-connected, stressful world and our traditional social structures have been disrupted. In fact, that digital disruption is feeding this polarization we're seeing right Mm. now. So whether, you know, you're a follower of MAGA or Me Too, the digital world is making it too easy for us to lock ourselves into these tribes and hide behind this sense of anger and polemic. Because unless we have this sense of empathy it's very difficult to have any kind of conversation. We can't talk to each other. We can't overcome any of those differences. We lose sight of the simple fact that the things that set us apart are much smaller than the ones that bind us together. You know, I might share 99% of my DNA with a chimp, Mm. but I have far more in common with Donald Trump than I can ever have with Cheetah. Do you think it's an irreversible shift? Uh, being more closely related to Trump, unfortunately, I think that's irreversible unless I can figure out some kind of Brundle fly machine. But um, no, um, it does mean that there won't be bumps in the the road before we remember. But I think that that empathy thing, we can overcome that. Uh, I'm going to commit the cardinal sin of podcast now and mention the Nazis. Uh, as one of the guests on that Invisibilia show, a guy called Fritz Breithaupt, who's a professor of cognitive science at the mm. University of Indiana, he points out that if Germany had had a little more empathy in the 1930s, maybe the Holocaust and a lot of other horrors of the Second World War could have been avoided. Now, I know that the chances of most people thinking about that the next time they hear that Milo has changed its recipe are going to be fairly slim. Mm. Um, You know, whatever I'm going to say here, they're going to go ahead and rage incandescently anyway. But to my mind, those lessons from history are what we should be getting fired up about rather than Daenerys and her disappearing coffee cup. Mm. Interesting. I, I will go and check out that Invisibilia podcast. Oh, it's well worth that. a listen. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. Uh, also, if you want to check out that podcast, you can head over to culturepop.com. You can also find transcripts of this show. We'll be right back with uh, Geek Squawks after this. BFM 89.9. Tech Talk, made possible by TM1. To learn more, visit tm1.com.my. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.